Well, hello, everyone. I want to welcome all of our locations, and I also want to welcome everybody who's watching online or through TV. So excited that you've joined us as we continue uh, just finishing up our series, What Would Jesus Undo? And so to help us kind of get into this conversation today, I want you to think about morality. I know it's not like a fun thing to think about, but we're going to go there for a little bit, okay? Now, to make it a little fun, there was some research that was done, and they asked just these three questions. And the whole point was just to see which moral trait we find more important in a relationship with somebody else. So I want to ask you the same questions. Uh, you can choose to answer them out loud. That could be kind of weird, um, especially if your significant others like right next to you um, and you don't agree. That would be interesting. Um, but I just want to ask and just kind of see where you land, or you can just keep it to yourself. So here's the question. I'm going to give you two traits, and I want you to pick which one you think is more valuable, fairness or intelligence? Fairness or intelligence? Now, you'll figure out real, all of these traits are good. Which one do you think is the most important? Next one, you got honesty or sincerity? Honesty or sincerity? And then the last one, trustworthy or humility? Some of these are pretty hard, right? The study revealed, this is the part that I found, I was like, this is weird, but interesting all at the same time, is that most for our culture, and I'm talking American culture, we tend to go towards fairness, we tend to go towards honesty, and we tend to go towards trustworthy. Those are the three, and maybe I'd be curious to take a poll of all of us, like, would we fall on that? But most of the time, we see those as important. We see those as, like, these are critical. And the research even pointed out, we, this is just interesting, uh, we would say, like, okay, if they have that, if a boss is fair, I'm okay if he's not intelligent. Just let that sink in for a little bit. Um, if... A friend is honest. That's a lot better than if they weren't, you know, all the time sincere. And so there's just these things that we kind of put into this. And even the research goes farther. We're even going, if they have those three, we'll look at these other three and like, wow, they even have these things too. That's great. But if someone doesn't have these, then we're like, actually, can you be worse at these others? Because we just don't enjoy that. What this started to communicate is that we have a unique view on morality. And so to kind of put it in, this is kind of, we value certain moral traits above all else. Now, the other piece of this is if you look at different cultures, some of them I've heard is like, you got hospitality on the side that's like, that's the most important. They will put everything into hospitality, and then friendship, relationship is so important that if they had to tell you the truth, they may lie to you because they care more about the relationship. So you just see then why you have culture shock when you go to different places and you're like, oh, I think we're being friends. And they're like, mm -mm, we're not. We are on different pages here. And so as you kind of walk through this, this is the one thing I started to pick on because when you talk about morality, it creates this kind of dynamic that we don't like, and they call it the rubber band morality. To where you think this is the person you want to be, this is the person who you really are. 
And so there's this tension that happens, especially it even happened to me recently, so frustrating. Um, I had a moment to where I kind of take pride a little bit in being able to control my emotions, be able to filter things. But then in the middle of a meeting, I just blurted out without any filter, just some raw emotions, and I could tell initially the whole group went, oh, all right, and I was like, yee, and so the tension was created, right? There it went, and I just went, I am so sorry, but it was created to where you go, who I want to be and what just happened, separated. All of us have had these moments, right? And so if you keep going down this rubber band mentality, it is immorality. It becomes so difficult to keep navigating because there's always these tension. And then here's the best part. So this is how we navigate it for us. But then we will give ourselves a little bit more grace. We'll be like, okay, that wasn't as bad. But if someone else does it to us, we just go, oh, that's terrible. And we will go all out against them. This starts to speak to one of the things that we actually hate probably more than anything else. We'll put up with some other hurts like lies or stealing, cheating, you can put whatever you want in there. But hypocrisy. When someone says, I am all about this. This is how I live my life. This is what I do. And you should do the same thing. But then you find out something different. There is something inside us that just goes, oh. oh. And right now, can we own, like we are living in a time where this is all over the place. We're seeing this happen and it's stressful and it's draining. I mean, right now we have governors and politicians, um, some of us telling us around summertime, don't take your boats out, don't ever do that. And then the spouse is calling the marina and going, hey, can I get my boat out? And then You've got others who are like, do not go to hair salons. How dare you? But then they go to a hair salon. Mm -hmm. And then you have others who are saying, hey, you should not eat with people. You should not gather. And then they have their own party. I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I'll be the first one to admit it. Because I've been one, especially during the pandemic. You can have your own thoughts about this. Social distancing has been a big deal. I think it's important. I think it's, hey, to keep us safe. Now, you can call me out on it because as soon as I go home, you know what I don't do? Social distance. And you may think, well, that's okay, but technically, I have said this, I'm doing this. And this is where the strain becomes because we are living in this hypocrisy where we're constantly trying to go, I want to be this good person, but I keep messing it up or I keep not doing it right. And we always, you see the rubber band, there's tension there. And then we also, on some levels, we recognize we're hypocrites, and then we also become the hypocrite police, calling other people out on their stuff and saying, whoa, 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 you're too far. I was only here, but you're here. And so then we're trying to look for ways to be like, if we hear things, it's like, man, that person seems way over the top. I'm going to look for ways to take videos of it and post it on social media to show that they were not accurate in what they said. And you see this all over the place. And if there is one thing that Jesus would want to undo is the hypocrisy that is inside all of us. 
That's what I hope you see, regardless of however you may be sitting here and going, well, I don't think I have. Well, good for you, but I think all of us do. There's probably been some moment where you said something, and then your actions didn't back it up. And when you start having this kind of morality, it, it's heavy. It's hard to navigate. And that's why Jesus started talking to us about it, and especially the people he talked to about it the most was the Pharisees, the spiritual leaders of his time. He talked to them about it all the time, every single conversation. He was like, hey, we need to talk about this. So if you look at this, Matthew 23, if you want to read through it, he starts just kind of going after, hey, here's where you guys are hypocrites. He even gives them seven different things. Here's where you are hypocrites. And so we are going to dive into this conversation. Okay, so how do we deal with this? How do we deal with the hypocrisy? And it starts off right here. Jesus is setting the tone. So just to give like what's going on, the audience, all that kind of stuff. You've got the Pharisees sitting in this conversation. You've got followers who are sitting in this conversation. You've got disciples who are sitting in this conversation. And it isn't this conversation to condemn the Pharisees. I think some of us are saying, like, well, he just said that to make them feel horrible. No, it wasn't that. It was more, he's going, I want everybody to hear this because we all need to address this. I'm just going to use them as the example right now. So Matthew 23, 2 through 4, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example, for they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. So he sets it up and goes, you need to listen to these men. They've studied this. They know the law. You should listen to their words, but don't follow their actions. You can see he's setting up, this is the morality they were living in. I say this, but I do this. And so then he goes, they're crushing people. It's this unbearable thing to where he's pointing out, hey, they're doing this, but once again, they're putting these restrictions and all these things on people and it just was nasty. To get it even deeper, here's a few examples of what, how he described their hypocrisy. Look at verse 25. What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. And he keeps going in verse 27. What sorrow awaits you, you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. It would have been interesting to just to be in the audience as he is just saying this. Think if you were a Pharisee. How difficult this would have been to hear. But then if you are a believer or if you're a follower, maybe you're just there like, I'm curious what's going on. And you're going, oh man, this conversation seems really important to Jesus. You notice this is kind of the one area where he goes, I'm not okay with this. And I will address this straight on. So to help us make sure we're all on the same page, I want to make sure we understand what a hypocrite is. Because a hypocrite is not someone who's trying to grow and become better. And sometimes they make mistakes. A hypocrite, just to make sure an actor a stage player, one who hides behind a mask. It's one who says, do this, but I'm not going to do it. 
one who says, you should do all these things. But if you ever saw my life. So I like the imagery of hiding behind the mask, hiding all this. But to even help us, I think, dive into this more and understanding and maybe helping yourself get to it, it's like, am I a hypocrite? How do I know? If you studied, probably haven't, but there is a whole way of becoming a Pharisee. And so they had to study the Talmud, which is the Jewish law book. They had to know all the laws, had to know everything that was going on. Within this book, there were uh, some wisdom of here's seven kinds of Pharisees. Six of them are hypocritical. So here's the list of them. And I'm going to walk through them just so that you can understand uh, just a little bit of who they are. And some of them probably would have known all of this information. So the shoulder Pharisee, just so that you can get it, here's what it is who wore all his good deeds and righteousness on his shoulders for everyone to see. Some of us probably have a friend, we know, who's like, hey, did you see what I did? It's pretty cool. Did you see that accomplished? That was kind of a big deal. Or they have the one-up story. They're like, oh, I heard you do this. Hey, did you? I did this. Right? They are all about their accomplishments. They put it all on their shoulders. So then it's, wait a little, Pharisee. This is the one who always intends to do good deeds, but can always find a reason for doing them later. Oh, I meant to call you. I meant to send that card. I meant to send that email. I meant to connect with you. That's like, I meant to is kind of their key phrase. And so they always wait just for the wrong timing. All right? And then the Bruce Pharisee. This one's a little bit... uh, I'll kind of have to walk through this one a little. But who thought they were so holy, he would turn his head away from any women seen in public and was therefore bumping and tripping into things, thus injuring himself. <laughs> so the idea is he's like, I don't want to be tempted at all. I'll just make it through life like this. Well, you know how that goes. It's not going to work. So you got to learn how to navigate the temptation. But that's fair. He's just black and white, but clumsy and actually hurting more people in the end. So then you've got the humpbacked Pharisee. This is the one that who was so humble that he walked bent over, barely lifting his feet so everyone can see how humble he was. Opposite of the shoulder Pharisee, but both of them very prideful. Do you see why? This one's like, look at me. This one's like, praise Jesus. It's all for the glory. They can't take a compliment. I don't know, I was, this is a season of my life, wasn't proud of it. I've been this one before to where everybody would be like, hey, that was a great sermon. You know what I would answer with? Well, it was God. They can't take, it's all got to be this very, and you're like, oh, how humble. But at some point, the humility starts to mask something that's maybe deeper of like, well, no, like God's given you some talents. God's given you some confidence. You can accept a compliment. It's okay. And then the always counting Pharisee, who was always counting up good deeds and believed that he put God in debt to him for all the good he had done. Now, let's just own this. We're all guilty of this. We've said the prayer, God, I did this, this, and this. Why did that happen? Right? We're counting and we're hoping this, because I did these things, this will play out. And then the last one, the fearful Pharisee who did good because he was terrified that God would strike him with judgment if he did not. Live this life constantly going, waiting for God to send the lightning bolt, waiting for the life to be destroyed if he did not do it correctly. So you see, this starts to lay out, 
And hear me, if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, all these are hypocritical. We should not live this way. But do we wrestle through these? Absolutely. That's why I think it was wise for the Pharisees' like, rule book to have this in play to help them wrestle through. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to struggle with this. How do I deal with it? Because the last one, the God-fearing Pharisee, and I think it's so well described, who really loved God and did good deeds to please the God he loved. The question becomes, is that what describes us as a Christian? If we believe in Jesus, because you know the one thing that we hear about Christians all the time, the one label they get is they're hypocrites. And so just to help us make sure we understand Jesus' feelings on this, his stance on this, here's the first part you got to understand. Jesus has zero tolerance for hypocrisy. He hates it. He wants to undo it in your life. If you don't believe me, look at this passage from Titus. Such people claim that they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, Worthless for doing anything good. I read that and I was like, ouch, this hurts. But it's in the Bible. And I think for some of us, we've felt that feeling when someone's been hypocritical to us. But don't just go, okay, God just wants no relationship with us when we're hypocrites. That's not true. You've got to know the other side. And that is Jesus has unlimited grace for repentance. He goes, I can't stand hypocrisy, but I will give you all the grace in the world. I will give you the ability to repent and we can get back into a healthy relationship again. That is the hope. That is the beautiful part of this, that we don't have to be defined by our hypocrisy. Uh, look at this in 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I think sometimes it's critical for us, especially when we're getting to know God, to sit in the tension of two things of like he has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but he also has all the grace for us. And both can exist. To where I think it's a healthy look at what a father, a parent a mother takes on of being like, I want to raise you. I want you to raise you in a what right way to know the truth and know the things of this world. But I also have all the grace for you when you mess up. Our relationship is not done when you're hypocritical. And so that got me to think, I think sometimes our biggest issue is we treat morality like this. And it causes us to think things maybe that aren't healthy. And the biggest issue with this, it's all on us. Our morality, we determine it. We are the ones that fix it. We are the ones that try to keep the tension down. Or we create the tension. Maybe we got to start thinking it in a different way. And some of you have been wondering the whole time what this is. This is a filter. Uh, so what it is, is that you can take this part right here, you can put it in a stream, lake, any kind of body of water you can think of, because um, if you needed water, you could just, comes through the filter, you pump this out, and then this new water goes right into your water bottle. Now, 
think of this. Same kind of concept. Take this into our analogy about morality. This represents where you're currently at, your reality. This is kind of who you are right now. This is who you want to be. But you know what's different? The standard's changed. You don't determine it anymore. God's standard is there. His morality is there. He's the filter. And so what he does is he goes, hey, let's take that hypocritical piece right here. Let's run it through here. And let's get this freshness coming out of you, this freedom coming out of you. Let me tell you, this is a lot more free. It is a whole different approach than going, I've got to solve this. I've got to do this. This is going, God, I, I need your help because you just revealed to me my own hypocrisy. And the beautiful part is, is this is not like a, just a one-time thing. I think God goes, okay, we're going to put this into a container and then we're going to run this again because I saw some new things, some more toxins in there. And so he runs it again, and he keeps running it, he keeps running it to where he's going, we are going to get to a pure spot. And the beautiful part is you're going to go on this journey learning more and more what to get rid of, and then what to even recognize how beautiful it is to go, I can unlearn this, I can grow in this, I don't have to stay in this hypocrisy. I don't have to live in it. I can have freedom from this. And think if we had that kind of approach right now. Instead of destroying each other for doing things that we don't agree with, instead of trying to wrestle through how do I make sure I live up to everybody's standards, my own standards, you just go, I'll let God do the filtering for me. I'll let him show me how I should live my life and where I should find my value so that the hypocrisy doesn't exist to me and that I can find character. I can have all the moral attributes, not just certain ones, all of them, and see how much inspiration, how much beauty they actually bring to my life and the joy that starts to come back when you start to realize, man, I was here, but now I'm here. So it kind of begins to, for me, I had to wrestle through, okay, so how do we stay in this? How do we stay in our morality coming through a filter system, not just a rubber band? The first thing that we have to own is this. Hypocrisy can't survive if the inside matters more than the outside. It can't survive if you go, I care more about here and about here than what my actions are, than what my words are, because you're going to make mistakes with them. I did, did this recently. But I go, I'm going to work on here. Okay, why did that happen? God, run me through the filter again. I want to find what, what happened in my heart, what happened in my mind, what led me to, to behave that way. That's a whole different approach than just going this like, well, shame. I don't know how to solve it. I guess that's just who I am. I'll never reach the, what I think I should become. And Jesus even referred to this in the next verse after the, you blind Pharisees, first wash the inside of the cup in the dish and then the outside will become clean too. We gotta focus on the inside if we want the outside to change. And then the other part of this is we gotta start making some choices. You gotta choose repentance over deception. So that moment where God goes, hey, you're hypocritical here, what's gonna be your reaction? Because most of us, when we're caught, we're going, ah, cover it up. <laughs> or let's hide it, let's do something. You've gotta go <clears throat> almost like drop to your knees and go, I'm sorry. 
you're right. I need repentance. Don't let me go down the road of deception. Uh, look at what Proverbs 28, 13 says. People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. So you gotta choose repentance, and then another one, you gotta choose honesty over fear. Because you're gonna have that moment where you're gonna go, okay, I gotta choose repentance. I've gotta drive to my knees. I gotta say, God, run me through the filter. But then the next part is you're gonna have to be honest about the people you may have hurt. You're gonna have to be honest about, God, this is where I'm at. And sometimes fear is there because we're so scared of what people are going to say back to us. We're so scared of the reaction. We're so scared of what's going to happen. And so fear can cripple us and keep us from moving forward because we're scared to be honest about where we're really at. So you've got to choose honesty over fear. 1 John 4:18. such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love love. My hope with teaching and doing this sermon was that even for me, I would look at my own hypocrisy and go, what am I doing with it? Am I allowing Jesus to undo it in my life? Or I'm just hoping this rubber band thing works. And I kind of put that question in front of you. What standard of morality are you using? How do you base what's right and what's wrong in your life? And I would say as human beings, we're probably not the best choice to be making those calls. We have struggled for many years, probably since we've all been alive at doing this, and you see it prevalent even now. So if we're going to give it to God, then this question becomes pretty critical. How are you choosing to address your hypocrisy? If you believe you need help, then let God help you. Choose to address it by repenting. Choose to address it by being honest. And simply go, I care more about here and here than I care about the actions. I know my actions may hurt, but i got to deal with them. I know I'm not perfect. And I've got to let God keep heal healing me. I think if we have that approach, we'll be blown away by what he is able to undo in us. The toxicity that's in us starts to not be so toxic. And there starts to be a lot more beauty and starts to be a lot more health. So I want to pray for us and pray that we would go after letting God undo the hypocrisy in us. Dear God, I pray that you would guide us. I pray that you would lead us in this. I thank you for being a God that wants that for us. That you lean into this conversation and you're not crazy harsh about it, but you are truthful and you are stern about it. I appreciate that but you're also very gentle in giving us grace and giving us the ability to go after things that, and, and be able to repent. And so God, where everybody is at right now, I don't know where they're at with hypocrisy, but I all know we have it. May we be a group of people, especially if we call ourselves Christians, that we're not okay with hypocrisy, that we're willing to call it out in ourselves and help others deal with it. May that be us. May that represent us. Because God, that's who we're called to be. And may you show us how to do that because you've created this filter system. It's your standard. It's your morality that we need in our world. God, we pray this in your name. Amen.